To another edition of the Lateral Show, a sideways look at fantasy football. It is officially training camp season for the majority of NFL teams, and we could not be more excited to go over some of the you know updated pieces of news we have, breaking down Julio Jones signing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and your mailbag questions. So that's basically the theme of today's episode: just going over some news and the mailbag. Be sure to follow the Twitter on Redundant. Twitter at MilateralFF. I am Herms on Twitter at HermsNFL. Joined as always by McLateral. What is up, my dude? How's it going? Camp season. We are like, we are really approaching that most wonderful of time. And of course, by that, I mean uh, Premier League soccer starts in about like the show is about American eight football. days, I think. So, you oh, know, geez. like, let's go. Like, come on. Arsenal just beat Chelsea five, like four nothing. Like, uh, feeling good man uh but no seriously if we are this close to approaching some nfl some slightly meaning nfl football uh but before we can get to some slightly meaning nfl football we have to get through the meaningless nfl football that is training camp that is true you know and there are a lot of news stories that come out that are kind of you know duds just a lot of coach speak, a lot of unnecessary hype stuff, you know, but there is, you know, room for us to, you know, parse through some of the information and see if there's anything valuable there, which is, you know, why we have this type of a topic for an episode. So but glad you pointed that out, though, because that's a very it's a, just a good informational nugget to sprinkle. And don't just believe everything that you hear, folks. It's not the most important thing in the world. Anytime a beat reporter makes a tweet. Um, so yeah, before we get into some of that, before we get into the news in the mailbag, uh, I'm going to hop on my soapbox, a segment that we do not always do, and just say, um, there is, a certain problematic shadow money <laughs> private equity, uh, group that, uh, funded a lot of money to Underdog that I am not particularly enthusiastic about. I have already withdrawn my money from Underdog and will be deleting my accounts. Uh, not a big fan of BlackRock. If you are at all familiar with uh, you know, global warming and the crashing of the housing markets and anything like that, uh, you may be inadvertently aware of BlackRock. I would hope that you would use the Google machine to really look into the group that is putting forth a lot of financial backing into underdog. Like I'm not going to tell anybody what to do necessarily. If you feel comfortable using that platform and continuing to play daily fantasy sports on it, that's absolutely fine. If you want to keep running your best ball drafts, that's fine. I can't tell anybody what to do from the standpoint of like ethical consumerism, because it's a very difficult thing to do. A lot of our money goes to a lot of problematic shit constantly, but 
because there's, you know, things like FanDuel, DraftKings, other, you know, sources like that, that we at least are not aware of <laughs> that have a lot of weird stuff going on shadowy behind them. I would feel better about that. It's just one of those things where it's like, I will not knowingly give my money to something that knowingly has weird forces behind it. So it's not not really a plea to anybody specifically about like, hey, don't use Underdog anymore. It's up to you as a consumer, as somebody who does stuff with their own money. But I would just implore listeners to look into BlackRock and really familiarize yourself more with that because it's just it feels important so i'm gonna hop off my soapbox before i you know get into any deeper shit about my feelings about capitalism uh mclateral what do you have to say on your soapbox yeah so just coming off that point like i you know i don't think anyone's accusing underdog of being underhanded or being like you know immoral anything like that um it's just really there are some deep issues with how private equity works uh Often private equity firms buy up other firms where people have jobs and people make their living. And what they intentionally do is saddle those firms with debt so that they can eventually strip those firms for parts and keep them only at the most valuable things, which leads to a lot of debt. Basically, for anyone involved who isn't actually a shareholder in the private equity firm. Uh, So it's a real problem. so just, you know, bear that in mind. But on the other hand, you know, like it's tough, I think, to, you know, truly take the moral the moral high ground on a lot of things. I mean, like we're literally talking about fantasy football, which of course is related to the NFL. And uh, to say that the NFL is a bastion for morality would uh, take a lot of chutzpah, as uh, my people would say. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, I think this off season alone. I mean, we have Alvin Kamara possibly, you know, assaulting a man. We have Deshaun Watson being a serial sexual harasser, sexual assailant. Uh, we have had a history of poor behavior amongst NFL athletes, amongst NFL executives, such as Dan Snyder and the culture at the Washington football team. I guess now the Commanders. So, you know, to say that, like, you know. The, that there isn't tons of stuff we talk about love and participate that isn't without its moral problems would be incorrect. However, uh, sometimes it's really easy to do something and not giving your money in a way that directly supports a private equity firm is potentially one of those things. So it's just something to think about. Um, I'm glad that you brought it up. The other thing we're going to bring up here on the soapbox is uh, had a couple of rookie wide receivers dealing with some serious injury issues. First, of course, uh, John Mechie diagnosed with uh, acute form of leukemia. He is, in theory, expected to make a full recovery, potentially during the course of this season. It is expected not to be particularly serious, but it is still cancer. It will still, barring a true miracle, end his rookie season, uh, but theoretically should not end his career. Hopefully he will have time to get over his pre-existing ACL injury as his treatment is going on on and come next year we'll be looking at a guy that you know frankly without that acl injury could have been a first round talent you know towards the bottom of the first round but a first rounder potentially nonetheless houston gave up fair amount to get him early in the second you know there are people that definitely believed in this guy uh, hoping nothing but the best for him and speaking of talents uh at wide receiver justin ross of course out for the season with what we believe is an issue related to the foot surgery that he had we don't have a ton of information on that foot surgery how serious the injury was 
caused the need for surgery, how invasive the surgery is, et cetera, et cetera. Obviously, they are expecting that it is serious enough that he will not make the season. Um, but the good news is it's not related to his congenital spine condition at all. Yeah. So theoretically, he should be given a full chance to return next year. I think it shows a lot that Kansas City did not cut him uh, as they could have potentially done if it was something related to that spinal injury. Because frankly, if that spinal injury is reaggravated in any way, his career is over. So, you know, hopefully fingers crossed for him as well. And those are two guys who are incredible talents and hopefully we'll see light it up in 2023. Absolutely. Uh, I will just quickly add, because I do remember this, it may be the same foot he played through at Clemson just to make sure he was Could out be. there. And do, so it's like, you Could know, be. like either way, it does speak to like, Hey, you know, like this dude's tough, you know, in, in a world where his body responds appropriately, he is a very talented player as is Mechie, nothing but the best for both of them for sure. Uh, that's our soapboxes. And we are off of them and getting into the news because we have news. It's news time again. Like I said last week, I'm just so glad that we finally have news. It's wonderful. And we will start with an update from something we discussed last week. Uh, Leonard Fournette is down to 245, 245 pounds. Definitely a lot better in terms of his conditioning in that regard. Fun fact from Evan Silva on Twitter, uh, Leonard Fournette weighed 240 pounds when he banked a 99th percentile speed score at the 2017 NFL combine. So that's pretty inspiring. You know, I think we discussed a little bit last week. What if he stays ballooned? What about Rashawn white? I think we feel better about Leonard Fournette knowing that he got some of that under control, right? Yeah. I think I'm still not moving him. I think the fact that he had the weight issue gave me time to really reevaluate his role, his success last year. And while I think he'll still probably be, you know, decent, plenty valuable, barring injury, um, RB12 actually feels kind of right. A lot of his success was based on his ability to catch the ball. And I do expect Rashad White, whether he ultimately has a valuable role in that offense or not, to hamper Fournette's receiving role a little. Yeah. And so, you know, having him behind someone like Brees Hall, Alvin Kamara, James Conner, like I'm feeling good about those things in retrospect. So... I'm not I'm not moving him up, but I'm certainly not moving him down. It is a good sign. Fair enough. 100 percent, man. Uh, we now can roll over into the Baltimore Ravens running backs. Another situation we are kind of updating from last week. Nothing. We were so close to Wayne Gallman season being back. We were <laughs> yeah. this close. Oh, man. Yeah. I know this is an audio media. So you can't see what I'm doing, but I promise those fingers are like, we almost had it i can vouch those fingers were very very close uh the ravens did bring in a handful of running backs to work out and ended up signing Corey clement to the roster cowards yes i could have had wayne gallman (laughs) but no they just had to ruin the fun but too good they would have had to give him a meaningful (laughs) role in the offense i see you balmer oh man but, like, this does kind of come on the heels of both J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards being on the pop list. So, you know, like, it just it just adds to what we talked about last week. There's not 
any more clarity <laughs> as to what's going on there. So it's a mix of, you know, Clements. They did sign Mike Davis to a deal in the offseason. They did draft Tyler Beatty. Those are kind of the running backs that are going to be around in camp for the time being. Now, by the time you're hearing this, if Gus Edwards springs into action, cool. If J.K. Dobbins springs into action, cool, because I think it's the active pup list, which is a key you know, thing to point out here, because unlike the regular season pup list, where once you're put on it, you're just like sidelined for a certain number Correct. of games. Correct. It's the- four games for the in-season one. This one, you could literally come off tomorrow. Yeah. So like with that caveat in mind, you know, still something not necessarily like so basically like the only reason this is even brought up as part of the news segment is because like it's the Ravens running backs. Not really like it's not Corey Clement specifically. That is the reason we're talking about. This is basically my point. Right. Yeah. If we were to do like this is a is there smoke or is there fire? This would be like just the faintest wisp of cigarette smoke on the night air. There's not a ton to this, I think. I think because they brought in someone like Corey Clement rather than Wayne Gallman, obviously joking there, but they did not bring in a big name. They did not bring in someone who can handle three down work. I would say, you know, this is not the same level as when they brought in Latavius Murray, when they brought in Devonta Freeman. This is depth. That's all this is to me i take that as a good sign because if it was something more serious i think balmer did see what happened last year and they would take more serious steps to counteract that potential problem so i still expect jk to be ready for week one admittedly potentially a step slow at first but ready i expect gus edwards to be much more questionable and i think tyler Beatty is still the guy that I'm looking at in that backfield in case something were to go wrong. We've seen what Mike Davis is. We've seen what Corey Clement is. I think of the two, as much as I'm not a huge Mike Davis fan as a NFL running back, uh, certainly a lead NFL running back, he is, I think, the more likely to take that Latavius Murray role that existed last year or that Devonta Freeman role that existed last year. Uh, I think Clement really is just depth. Uh, So that's kind of how I see it. But I think Beatty has the potential to take that Tyson Williams role that existed early and provided he doesn't have the same issues in regards to blocking, he could, you know, seize on something. Yeah. You know, cause I think like Tyler Beatty is definitely a talented player. He's somebody that I was, you know, not like super enthusiastic about in the pre-draft process, but you know, he's pretty good. He's a little small, which is what worries me about the Ravens. It's important to note that last year, the Ravens, while they went with Le'Veon Bell, while they went with Devonta Freeman, while they went with Latavius Murray, they gave nobody Tyson Williams a chance first. So I do not yeah. think they're afraid to give Tyler Beatty a chance first. Oh, for sure. I'm just like, I'm just, I'm just thinking. Sure, he's not like a grade A prospect by any means. Oh, no, for me, it's really just like for the for the scheme of the offense, he's a bit of a little guy to do sure. that. Like, that's my only thing. Not to say that he can't, but that's why I would probably prefer a world in which we have to make this decision. Mike Davis first, but I'm not dismissing Beatty. Like, they're, they're, those are really the two names. Um, I think we're good with that. Uh, do you want to move over to some fun Buffalo Bills, Buzz? Yeah, fun's one way to put it, but sure. Okay, well, half of this is fun. There's, a, I don't. It depends on who you ask. So we'll start with the thing that you and I are a little bit at odds on, and then we'll come together for the thing that we are very much in agreement on. Uh, Isaiah McKenzie took a lot of first-team reps with the team. Now, if mind you, 
primarily a special teams contributor, but has played at times in the slot. And if you remember, toward the end of the fantasy season last year, he was a plug and play. He was pretty good for you. Mix that with the combination of the fact that Jamison Crowder has not participated in anything yet. It's early. I'm not saying one way or another, like, oh, this means Crowder's screwed. (laughs) But it's something to keep an eye on, because the longer that Crowder is out and the more that McKenzie seems to be doing well, there could be an interesting battle for the slot receiver in Buffalo, which, as we know, is a pretty valuable role for people who play in PPR formats. Those are my thoughts about that. What are your thoughts about that? And then we'll talk about the fun thing that we're both enthusiastic about. So, yeah, I'm like... I'm a little hesitant to get super hyped on McKenzie. He is a guy that I think has a special teams role. And that's why he was brought back. You know, he's at 27. The chance for him to break out is like a little low, frankly, at this point. Not that Crowder at 29 is like a spring chicken, but we've seen production from Crowder on multiple teams. This is a guy they targeted in the offseason to bring in to replace Cole Beasley. And the dead money, you've got 1.87 in dead money for Crowder and do you have less than that in the two years combined of McKenzie's contract like right now it's 1.25 the next year it's only 300,000 so really like I don't see an incentive for them to lean on McKenzie other than Crowder's awful or he's injured so if he is really seriously injured that is something to consider because McKenzie would potentially be the next man up. But if Crowder's at all healthy, I think they are going to lean on him unless he is suddenly became total garbage because I think he's been passable at bare minimum for most of his career. So I don't really see that happening. No, for sure. You know, and that's why, you know, the caveat being in there, like as long as Crowder's out, this becomes a story, but don't overreact. And the, the, the only reason I even included it is just because I did see some people on the Twitter timelines being like, oh my gosh, and I saw some like, screenshots of people taking McKenzie and best ball. And I'm just like, oh, whoa, 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 yeah, we got we to gotta slow the roll real quick. It could be something. It's probably nothing. And like you said, if we follow the money, it's Crowder's to lose. So yeah, I don't know that I bet on McKenzie and best ball. I get the idea of like, at a certain point, a lot of your best ball picks are lottery ticket picks. And there is, in some people's mind, a lottery ticket aspect to Isaiah McKenzie. I just like, I kind of bet you there's someone else you could take. Um, we're we're going to come back to that. When we talk about this next segment, I'm going to look up the underdog ADP if I can find it and see if there's someone I can recommend real quick instead. Absolutely. You do that, and I will talk about the fact that Devin Singletary got pretty much all of the first team reps and you know like dude okay this guy now i will say very quickly there were some positive you know little buzz tweets and stuff that i saw out there from bill's reporters talking about how james cook also did pretty well in some of his workouts but the fact that devin singletary running with the first team man i wrote about this over at fantasy pros at the very very end of may if you're gonna go with the zero rb thing and you're just gonna wait on running back I love Devin Singletary. I've talked about this on shows that I've guested on. I will get deeper into some of the fun stats that I have to back up that stance, but I will turn it over to you first because Devin Singletary value season question mark. Yeah. So I think there is value to Devin Singletary, depending on what that ADP is right now. As I vamp here and go a scrolling, I think it's somewhere in the 30s. Escape scrolling, scrolling, uh, scrolling. Oh, scroll, no, scroll, he's scroll, actually he's climbed up to 29, RB29, 74 okay. overall. So 
I think that volume that value is kind of disappearing if he gets richer than that. Um, you know, someone like Brees Hall is RB twenty three. You know, that's a huge difference. And like even the guy below Singletary, Cream Hunt, RB thirty overall seventy five. Um, triple check and yet half PPR scoring here. So that's a good basis to go off of. Even though we tend to talk about PPR, yeah. so it's like you know. I'd rather have Kareem Hunt than Devin Singletary. Like, I just would. Kareem Hunt is either an insanely valuable handcuff with pretty valuable standalone value, or he'll get traded and become a starting running back. Like, Absolutely. The absolute ceiling for Devin Singletary is potentially like a 60th percentile outcome for Kareem Hunt. Like, you know, I just like, I wouldn't, but... If he does fall further than that in your draft, you know, somewhere around like the Michael Carter RB35 territory, now he's intriguing. You know, Chase Edmonds, Kenneth Walker, James Robinson, Alexander, like there, he's intriguing because he's potentially a starter in a high powered offense. I do think there are some issues with that offense when it comes to scheme. I think Josh Allen is the valuable red zone running back for that offense, which is like a slight problem. They did bring in James Cook. I expect him to take some work away from Singletary. I think Zach Moss is ultimately the one that's really dead from all this. Yeah. Um, so it really depends on where that ADP ultimately lands. If it's on the lower end, so like Sleeper right now, he's ADP RB33. Now you have my attention. But like at RB29, there's other guys I'm probably going to take it instead. No, and I definitely feel that. And uh, for my thoughts on the Kareem Hunt situation, uh, if you want to reference the uh, podcast that I recorded with Jeff Crisco and Bo McBrayer about Scott Fishbowl 12, because I did a whole, you know, riff about my feelings about that. Uh, Kareem Hunt, excellent choice. But as far as Singletary goes specifically, just to give some context, uh, and this is pulling from, you know, the article that I have written on fantasypros.com, a uh, borrowed quote from uh, Andrew Erickson, one of the uh, lead analysts at Fantasy Pros, down the stretch, like over the final six weeks, like, yo, this guy, pretty good. Finished as the RB3 in that span. Also, uh, per PFF, was the fourth ranked running back in rushes of 15 plus yards and seventh ranked in forced missed tackles in 2021. So this is the second partial year that we've seen from Devin Singletary putting stuff together between this past year and the end of like the second half of his rookie year was also really good too. So like it's speculative. There are certainly flaws in, you know, and to your point, like you said, Josh Allen still being there, punching it in with his own legs. There are flaws in the Buffalo system for this, but there's a decent chance. Singletary, he could be pretty good, man. He could be pretty good. I definitely, I'm, I'm down with the sickness. That is Devin Singletary. Real quick, we were talking about that underdog ADP. Guys I would rather take than Isaiah McKenzie. Uh, after Isaiah McKenzie, you can get Romeo Dobbs. You can get LaVisca Schnoll. Those are guys I'd rather have. Uh, Quez Watkins, potentially, I'd actually rather have. Uh, not a wide receiver, but Sony Michelle, I'd rather have. Like, Sony Michelle could potentially be the lead running back in Miami, and to get him at that range is a steal. There's no other running back of that potential you're going to get in that spot. Um, Nick Westbrook, I Keen, you know, like Keene, like I'm sure I'm butchering his name. Yeah. Uh, I'd honestly rather take him over Isaiah McKenzie. I really would. 
because I'm pretty sure that the top two options are going to be Diggs and Davis, you know? So like after that, we're talking about someone who's at best the third option, you know? And then like Dawson Knox still exists. Dawson Knox still exists. Devin Singletary, who we just talked about exists. James Cook, who they just drafted exists. Like there's a lot of mouths to feed once you get at that point, even someone like Brian Edwards, I'd rather take a shot on because Brian Edwards range of outcomes is that uh, Drake London isn't ready and Arthur Smith trusts Brian Edwards and Edwards finally flashes that talent. We all kind of saw in college granted is that his most likely outcome? No, but Isaiah McKenzie's most likely outcome is potentially around the same as Brian Edwards and his best case outcome is not ever going to be the wide receiver one in that offense period then. The white robot no longer endorses Brian Edwards hype. Something to consider for sure. Absolutely. And, and that's the fun of best ball, folks. That's the fun of best ball. Um, now we take it over to something that I'm just going to talk about quickly and selfishly because I feel like it. I don't really know if you even have any thoughts about this, but Jeremy McNichols is coming to Pittsburgh, baby. What's up? Hey, yo. look, okay. I And maybe I am a little bit too harsh on Benny Snell, but he had an opportunity James Connors last year in Pittsburgh when he went down to step up and do the thing, you know, kind of audition himself. And I just don't really feel like he sees that opportunity very well. So the reason this is even on the show sheet is because a Herm's resident Steelers fan. And then B the handcuff to Najee Harris. If something were to happen, I don't know is necessarily Benny Snell. If McNichols can do a little bit of something, something we referenced him on a couple of the waiver wire episodes this past year after Derrick Henry went down, because we at least know in small quantities, Jeremy McNichols is a pretty decent pass catcher. He can do some stuff. He never put out like huge production or anything in his time in Tennessee, but he's a good player. He's pretty good. And this I, again, oh, if I'm this, Mike Tomlin, I'd rather play McNichols than Snell. I know yeah. what I have in Snell, and I've never loved it. Yeah, so it's like you know, this is a very, this is very much a dynasty centric piece of news that we're bringing into this a predominantly redraft podcast. But I hear people talk about it a lot. Well, if Najee goes down, what is what happens? I can tell you, resident Steelers fan, dude. I mean, just already McNichols coming in does at least somewhat threaten Benny Snell because there are you know a couple rookie free agents that they brought in like Mateo Durant he spent time at Duke he was an interesting prospect as a running back but there's a reason he was a UDFA uh it's a couple guys like that Anthony McFarland I'm just convinced will never be a thing I wish people would stop talking about him no offense to the individual I'm sure he's a wonderful human but like dude oh god Mick Nichols is it's it's not for nothing for dynasty managers out there. If you roster Najee Harris or you just want to potentially have a piece of the Pittsburgh backfield, if Najee goes down, Mick Nichols, like, it's not insignificant news for dynasty managers. Yeah, I, he might be someone that, you know, you focus on a little in a waiver wire column later in the season. I think we're going to find the Pittsburgh running backs to be pretty irrelevant as long as Najee is healthy. It's him, and I really don't care who else as long as he's healthy. Pretty much, 100%. Yeah. Um, I guess we got one more running back to talk about, unfortunately, and then oh, the big yeah. news of the day. Yes. Oh, we've buried the lead, but yeah, we have to shout out the legend. Oh, Chris Carson, love you. Oh, man. Yeah, unfortunately, the lateral's been pretty uh, consistent on the take that we – thought that Chris Carson was not going to play NFL football again. I certainly had been saying it 
like since the offseason started. And unfortunately, that is the case. He is retiring from the NFL due to the neck injury that has been plaguing him. It is unfortunately as bad as we like all feared. Uh, there's just no way for him to play with a neck injury that serious. The good news, at least, is that Seattle will release him with a failed physical designation, which under the CBA is going to allow Carson to receive several million in injury protection benefits. So they are giving him the respect he deserves given what he gave to that team, which is not insignificant. Um, from a fantasy perspective, I mean, he's retired. He is not coming back. You don't have to do any Rob Gronkowski speculation or anything like this is a serious health issue. He's not coming back. Uh, Rashad Penny is the Seattle running back. I would want to roster this year. And, you know, in Dynasty, I don't think it really changes anything. I think most Dynasty managers were planning on Carson not really being a thing. Yeah, I mean, it just sucks. But shout out Seattle continuing to do something that they have done in the past with players like Cam Chancellor as well. You know, like they do stand by their guys that just have these unfortunate injuries, but you know, they go through that designation to make sure that they get paid. It's another example of regardless of, you know, the state of the team itself right now seems like a very good franchise at the very least. So I do admire that about Seattle. It's one of the nice things about them. And uh, yeah, as far as fantasy, I mean, like, I don't I, I I don't really know that I love either of the Seattle backs, but we've talked about that backfield without Chris Carson in the equation. Love anyway. would be a strong so like, yeah. So it's like, you know, we, but like you said, I mean, we've talked about the backfield without Carson anyway. So it's, it, it's just shout out Chris Carson. He's been tremendous, especially cause like seventh round pick drafted the same draft as Rashad Penny, but man, he really did have a very, very good career. I, I liked him plenty. He always felt very undervalued, and it it puzzled me because he continuously was able to put up such good numbers. Also a very underappreciated pass catcher, like very talented guy, just very, very talented guy. I will certainly miss seeing him on the football field. I, I think I would say he falls under that category of like maybe like a ton of NFL fans aren't like super aware of him, but like if you play fantasy, you fuck pretty hard with Chris Carson, right? Yeah, I mean, everyone, I think, has enjoyed his production on some form or another. 100%. Oh, jeez. While we're doing the beautiful retrospective. <laughs> hey, oh, there's the transition because we buried the lead of the news because it's the it's the meat of the, the, the thing that happened today, which I, oh, I I'm going to hold back because I just have to say this for presentation purposes. I will share my thoughts on this, but. Julio Jones, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, it happened. Finally, Julio Jones has a home. I will sit here and seethe for a little bit while you share your thoughts. This is great news for me. I kept him on my dynasty roster because I was just like, there's no way he's like done. Someone is signing this guy. And like, I can't trade him for Jack. He's like, what, 33 injury riddled at this point. Like yeah. the hamstrings are a serious concern. The ankles are a serious concern. Uh, so for me, the, here's like kind of the two outcomes. Number one, if you got him dirt cheap prior to this point, congratulations, you may get a week or two out of him. You may be able to ride it even further. The guy from a talent perspective is still a surefire first ballot hall of famer. And he's got another surefire first ballot hall of famer throwing to him and another surefire first ballot hall of famer in the receiving core with him and Mike Evans 
And, uh, you know, if Chris Godwin keeps it up, he could be right there with him too. Like we've seen this offense at a high octane level and we might get it again. On the other hand, like injuries are what they are and Julio Jones might be done in two weeks. Um, so I would not get too excited about this. Be cautious. I don't think it makes your Russell Gage picks any worse. It doesn't impact your Chris Godwin or your Mike Evans picks at all. They will remain the top two spots in the pecking order as far as wide receivers go. Um, you know, best case is he fills that Antonio Brown role, which like would be awesome if you have him. Uh, just you know, don't don't spend good draft capital on him. That would be my only thing. Yes, thank you. Because like we we did this last year. We did this last year. The like the concerns didn't just go away. Because like you said. The hamstring issues that have plagued him, the ankle issues, the foot issues, all like the things that plague him have not gone away. And I've seen a lot of really weird reactions from people just being like, oh, R.I.P. Russell Gage season or like, oh, man, I don't know. What does this mean for the it doesn't mean shit, frankly, because it's like Julio Jones, when I was like 10 years younger than I am right now absolutely phenomenal even five years younger than i am right now absolutely phenomenal but recent history has just shown us even if the talent isn't quote-unquote washed the body just might be so like you said just like the pumping of the brakes from the takes that i've seen from people like oh wonderful wonderful player that we've enjoyed over the course of his career but like this i swear oh my gosh like don't rank him inside the top 40 or anything like that. That feels really misguided. I just don't really see it. And then also, as far as the impact on Russell Gage, like I wrote up, like I updated my undervalued players per FFPC ADP as part of the fantasypros.com redraft kit. Uh, in my update, I did this really cool rundown of Russell Gage. I think, you know, it's pretty convincing whether or not Julio Jones is there doing stuff or not. Like, it doesn't kill anything. It doesn't really change anything, much in the same way that we talked last week about Kyle Rudolph coming in. Like, it's a name that we're familiar with, but does that necessarily mean, oh, shit, we have to rethink everything we thought about this offense? Like, no, no. Like, in a world where Julio Jones is healthy, this is a completely different story, but he's not. And frankly, I just, I don't care. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it again. Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, won't get fooled again. Yeah, I mean, if it's between like him and Sammy Watkins, I'll take Coolio Jones, you know. Yeah, uh, like that's the type of stuff. Him or Rondell Moore, I'll, I'll take Coolio Jones, but I don't particularly believe in Rondell Moore. Um, like... Him or Jameson Williams. I'm taking Jameson Williams even with the injury taking away part of a season. Sure. I would do the same thing. Like, just be responsible about where you value Julio Jones is really the lesson that I did. I hope people take away from this. Like, because we, like we both said, cool, good for him, but he's, he's, uh, he's it's about as good a landing spot as you could hope for admittedly. Oh, for sure. Oh, my God. Yeah. And if if he stays healthy, then it's phenomenal. But we're banking on so much evidence to the contrary, like telling us that he won't, you know, like that. Ugh, it's, ugh. 
it's very frustrating. It's just, I'm very sick of Twitter right now. I hate the, the whole like half of the day of Julio Jones was just it it hurt my heart. It really did. <laughs> well, luckily we can move on now because we have some mailbag questions. Yes, we do. Thank you all so much for contributing to our mailbag portion of the program. Uh, we have our first one coming in from our good pal Lindellians on the Twitter. Shout out Linda. Shout out the kickers. Shout out everything. Uh, the Kansas City pass catcher, not named Travis Kelsey. Who do we want relative to cost and whatnot? We've kind of talked about it before, but I'm interested to see if anything has changed on your end. I think we have different answers. Why don't you go first? I mean, I still I still think it could be Juju Smith-Schuster. Just we because definitely we, have different answers. Continue. Yeah, <laughs> it's just because like, I feel like perhaps the lack of hype will just continue to see a fall in his price and perhaps seeing more reports about a good sky more will like raise his price. So like my reasoning that we talked about, you know, three, four episodes ago hasn't really changed, but the updated information of me seeing certain blurbs about sky more possibly raising his ADP even higher and the possible lowering of Juju Smith Schuster's is kind of like the new wrinkle to it. Like, I think the gap between them will shrink and we may see a passing of the torch from one to the other. And if I'm betting on one or the other, I just, I don't, I'll, I'll take the short area guy that's a little bit safer that could possibly recapture his former glory like he had in Pittsburgh before he was just pigeonholed into the bullshit. Yeah, so I think for me, it's currently MVS, but it's tough because he's starting to get a little pricey. He's the one that I like kind of want to bet on the most. He's the better, like, potentially the better deep threat with his speed and athleticism hands can be questionable at times. We've seen some good moments. We've seen some bad. We've seen him struggle to stay on the field, but uh, he's like potentially the wide receiver one in a Patrick Mahomes offense at wide receiver 53 price. So for me, like his fan tracks ADP right now is 60 and a half PPR. If I can get him at 60, like, we're cooking with gas because that puts him like around Van Jefferson behind Jamison Williams. I really don't feel like I'm giving up on a ton at that point. Yeah. But like right now he's like just a touch pricey. So Sky Moore's complicated because Sky Moore and Juju maybe are the ones that are most likely to cannibalize the two. But Sky Moore has the capital, honestly, like until a couple days ago, it was potentially Justin Ross just because he was so dirt cheap. I'm still leaning MVS, but if he gets any price here, I may have to change my answer. And if I have to change my answer, man, the pass catcher I might want is going to be CEH. Hey, oh, there you go. I don't, I'm just being honest. I mean, I don't, I don't hate that. I mean, I really, and like I've seen a lot of speculative, you know, reports from people just being like, oh, well, you know, Ronald Jones might not make the team. It's like that's. It's bullshit. That's absolute bullshit. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, I think it's like a, not a 0% chance, but I think it's very unlikely. I think he does make the team. Yeah. And then also just taking a glance over at the Fantasy Pros ECR, uh, I, I straight up, I'm changing my answer because I did not realize. No, granted, I'm not. I, my argument and my answer was based off of ADP, but now just looking at ECR, 
Juju Smith-Schuster at wide receiver 29 in PPR. Oh, that's where, way too uh, high. Exactly. Whereas yeah. MVS and Sky Moore are 55 and 57, respectively. See, that's the Holy right price. shit. That's Never mind. That's the right price. So Ignore me, everything I said. <laughs> the ADP. So Juju Smith-Schuster ADP 34, I think, is still like a little pricey. As Yahoo ADP is 26, um, you know at 38 which is this ffc adp you could maybe talk me into it if i've had a couple drinks but um i gotta tell you like that mvs like it, the ecr is right where i want him so right now he's not quite a value which is like a little concerning but like man it's much closer to the price i'd want to spend yeah, because like guys around that range that are fairly interesting, just because like it, it, these are some names that have come up on the show in you know recent episodes, which is you know kind of why I'm just throwing this out there. Um, Tim Patrick, we did talk about in the ten things we're you know taking uh, taking a look at and keeping our eye on. We did talk about the the Denver wide receivers, MVS at fifty five, Tim Patrick in ECR now fifty eight. That's an interesting name. I I don't know if I've talked about it on this show specifically or not, but Jarvis Landry is another name I'm very very interested in. Uh, now with the New Orleans Saints, I think he has a very good chance at securing a good PPR role as he always has here at fifty three. There's actually a lot of good value down in this range, and that on top of rookies like Jahan Dotson down at 64, he's in this range behind by one spot the Chiefs receiver we haven't named, Mecole Hardman. I well, completely disagree with that. Like, there's this, a reason we haven't mentioned Mecole Hardman. We've seen Mecole yeah, Hardman, I, you know, I, we feel which is the one thing him. I'm concerned about with MVS because I feel like last year everything we were saying about Mecole Hardman this year. We were saying about MVS. Now, granted, we were also saying it about Nicole Hardman. So the competition for MVS is a lot easier, I think, in Kansas City than it was in Green Bay last year. I mean, for starters, you have no Devonta Adams to compete with at all. So cool. That helps. That's an easy start. Uh, I think Alan Lazard is better than Nicole Hardman. So again, like, cool. That's like another thing you don't have to worry about. Also, good. Um, you know, I think over the course of their career, you could make an argument that Randall Cobb's like about on point. Like there was frankly more competition in Green Bay, in my opinion. Uh, Juju, of course, historically has been a solid wide receiver, but I think at this point I'm much less bullish on him. So I don't view him as a ton of competition. I know we differ on that front. The one that blows my mind is literally one pick before Marquez Valdez-Scantling, well, one wide receiver and about six picks. It's Garrett Wilson, top 10 draft pick for the New York Jets, which is like people just must not believe in Zach Wilson because Elijah Moore is at wide receiver 32, overall 81. Garrett Wilson is at wide receiver 52, overall 122. And like, I don't believe in Zach Wilson, but man, those feel low. That gap is also reflected in ECR as Elijah Moore is at 32 and Wilson himself at 49. I'm like that. That is, it's a little weird. I have Elijah Moore at 24 and Wilson at 38. Like again, nobody's a wide receiver one. No one's top 12. They're barely top 24. But like, come on, people. We saw what Elijah Moore could do with Mike White. Like, yeah, it's. I don't know. I will say the, the, it's a the, little low. It, I, again. I may be one of the biggest anti-Zach Wilson people historically in fantasy Twitter. And I'm telling you, this feels a little low. 
little bit for sure. And the question's definitely getting away from us at this point. But to sum it up, uh, we have well, I've well, changed. No, is it is it getting away? Because I think the real answer is we'd rather have Garrett Wilson. Uh, well, I mean, I mean, about about the Chiefs question. It's about the Chiefs. That... <laughs> this, this is the answer. This is what I'm telling you. I think the answer is you'd rather have Garrett Wilson. But yes, to round it out, to come back to it, I think I'm leaning MVS, but if he gets any more expensive, it might be CEH. And I've changed my answer now with the information that I have updated. I'm good with either Valdez, Scantling, or Sky Moore, to be perfectly honest. Either one. Perfectly fine. Great. Well, want to move on to another Kansas City player? Uh, I think we got a question about Daryl Williams here. Yes, we do. Oh, man. Former Kansas City Chief himself. Wait, former? Yes, he Darryl moved? Yes, oh, no. he did. Yes. Oh, no. From Dat Boy Jeff Crisco on Twitter, former guest, has been on the show numerous times. Uh, from the man who brought you, what if James Conner is just Kenyon Drake last year? That was a fun topic we had in our mailbag last year. Uh, this year, it's what if Daryl Williams is just Chase Edmonds? Honestly, that's kind of a fair point to make, man. I'm just, I don't know. Because, like, look, we talk about it on the show constantly because I will just never stop, you know, just confessing my love for James Conner. I will always just adore James Conner more than anybody. But the man gets hurt. He had a very fortunate streak of injury luck last year that led to him just absolutely balling out. But if anything happens to him, I kind of liked Keontae Ingram in the pre-draft process coming out of USC, but the Cardinals went out there and they brought in Daryl Williams. And if you remember last year when Clyde Edwards-Alaire got hurt, Daryl Williams stepped in fabulously in that Chiefs offense and was remarkable off of the waiver wire. He was a very, very good contributor. Like, there is serious, and we've talked about him a little bit on this show in the past, and we're just going to keep doing it because, like, dude, Mr. Crisco, you might have a point. You might have a point. Now, I don't know if they're going to split it up as evenly that way, but at the same time, like, we kind of saw flashes of Daryl Williams fill in really well. Could he be Chase Edmonds? I don't know if that's ridiculous. I mean, I'm sort of hoping he is like, so last year, Chase Edmonds, I think was around running back 29. I did the counting right here in terms of PPR points per game, 11.9 PPR points per game. He was yeah. running back 34 overall, despite missing five games. Daryl Williams was running back 20 with 11.5 PPR points per game. And he played a full 17, but not all of them as a starter. I have Daryl Williams right now ranked as RB 42 in my rankings. And so like, no matter how you slice it, whether he's Chase Edmonds or whether he's Daryl Williams from last year, then like he's a value. Like the way, the idea that he doesn't live up to his value to me is just absurd. He's in such a good position, man. I mean, like I've, a lot of the mock drafts that I've done, I scoop him. If I remember, he might not be on my Scott Fishbowl team. I would be surprised. He's definitely on mine. Let like, me tell you, good yeah. sir. I think it was like my running back 50-something. Yeah, and that's the beauty, man. Like, honestly, like, so actually, you know what? To be honest, to answer your question, Jeff, uh, no, I don't think he can be the Chase Edmonds, purely from the narrow scope of the way that I'm about to attack my next statement. People thought a lot more highly of Chase Edmonds. 
the reason that like it's technically like my answer is technically no is just because like I feel like you can get Daryl Williams later than you could have gotten Chase Edmonds, which just makes him like super Chase Edmonds, which is wonderful. Like from a value perspective, it's just super Chase Edmonds. Yeah, and Scott Fishbowl, I got him as my RB forty nine. So yeah. Um, now to be fair, he's only the second best value for a running back named Williams, but his upside is much uh, much more likely. I feel much better about him than Damian Williams, who I got in the 70s and who I have ranked as uh, RB54 because there's a chance he could be Atlanta's starting running back. We'll know if there's any value to him whatsoever in probably a couple weeks. No, absolutely, man. Like, yeah. dude, it's just... Daryl Williams, I like him. I So, yeah, I think, like, there's absolutely a chance he's just Chase Edmonds. I think there's a chance he's just chase Edmonds in the best way possible exactly super chase Edmonds. so just for reference because it's always important to paint the picture here a little bit uh ecr ppr right now james connor rb 15 now not to say that the daryl williams thing is you know dependent upon where james connor goes but just for context they're sharing a backfield connor is right up there at rb 15 daryl williams is still sitting at rb 55 one spot ahead of sony michelle who's a name that we already mentioned as a guy that could lead the miami backfield in carries at least like these are two names that you know come up on the show so far like i think that between you and i are we are we co-signing the draft daryl williams and uh sony michelle thing Oh, I feel like we've been there. Absolutely. I'm going to have him on a lot of rosters. Big same. Big same. Uh, dude, shout out Jet, uh, Dat Boy, Jeff Crisco, you to man. And just, I, mm, I love talking about Daryl Williams whenever I get the opportunity to do so. It's, it's such a fun time. And you know what else is a fun time? Keeping it in the running back family. Because running, it, it's a very heavy running back show. And, you know, for somebody who prides themselves as a big running back guy, very lovely situation the homie andrew hall on twitter at andrew hall ff by what game do you think zamir white breaks 10 ppr points this year if at all now for context this is the rookie out of georgia on the las vegas raiders decent chance that the new head coach josh mcdaniels could do the whole patriots thing and have a running back by committee they already turned down the fifth year option for josh jacobs who knows how that goes do you have a good idea as to when that time could come for one Zamir Zeus White? So I think that time is, I thought I had it nailed down. I was going to go with November 6th against the Jaguars. And then I realized that the Raiders actually play the Texans on October 23rd. So it's going to be then. Uh, he'll capitalize against a bad defense, I'm sure. But I fully expect Josh Jacobs to still be the lead back in this offense. He's the better talent uh, across the board than anyone else they have. There's still Kenyon Drake there, you know, so there's no guarantee that Zamir White is even going to be the frustrating piece in that running back committee. So like, yeah, will he hit 10 PPR points in a game? I'm sure it'll happen, uh, but I'm not going to bet on it happening against an actual good defense. And they get a fair amount of those to start the season. I mean, they get, the Chargers, who could be back on the upswing, they've drafted well, they've built that team well on the defensive side, and there's definitely some studs there. The Cardinals were a good defense last year. Titans, historically, pretty solid. A um, little weaker against the pass than the run. Broncos, we've seen them be plenty good. 
Chiefs, we've seen them be good. So like Texans first real weak spot. So I'm going with that. I feel that. And also just uh, for context, because it's uh, just fun to say these things. Uh, Zamir White in ECR PPR RB 69. I have him at 64, but nice. Nice. Dude, absolutely so nice. And the reason I even mentioned that is because I was actually just vamping a little bit because I want to look up the game log of Ramondre Stevenson from last year. Now, the only reason I'm even doing this right now is because it's just, it, it kind of further highlights the point that I made. You know, McDaniel's coming from the Belichick tree, man. Like, if they end up treating this backfield the same way. So, Ramondre Stevenson... I mean, he had some injury stuff that kind of like hampered him a little bit early on, but he surpassed 10 fantasy points by his third game. Like, I mean, if they divvy it up a little bit better, like, so that that's kind of where my mind is starting at the very least. Now, also keeping in mind, Josh Jacobs is demonstratively better than Damian Harris's. So there's a decent chance we may have to push that down the road a little bit. So and following off of your logic of everything you said about the defenses, I mean, like, yeah, it's not like the it's it's tough sledding earlier on than it is later i i think like i'm either gonna go like with you fresh off the bye week against houston but at minimum that that game against jacksonville in week nine like at a certain point because not only will it be after the bye week but it'll also be toward the midpoint of the season like if they just really want to test out what they have in zamir white because like his range of outcomes is huge because we talked about this when we were doing the NFL draft preview talking about the prospects with our homie Felix Sharp and some other guys like that, like Zamir White in a world where he didn't tear both of his ACLs would be thought of a lot differently because coming out of high school, he was like the top running back recruit, like really, really, really good. If the health holds up for him, this guy's supremely talented. I mean, that's really the biggest thing standing in his way currently. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think at some point in the midway, was probably my answer and there is also a decent chance that down the stretch whether it's just based off of mcdaniel's toying around and seeing what they have or i mean josh jacobs hasn't always been like absurdly healthy i think there's a decent case to be made that zamir white especially in a deeper league for sure like hold on to that guy because like the late season research like at this time next year if i told you hey remember that really good down the stretch (laughs) that zamir white had like, would that statement be weird to hear? It, it wouldn't shock me. I just think there's, like, some concerns for him. Again, we think he's got the potential to supplant Kenyon Drake, but Kenyon Drake might get the first shot if something were to happen to Jacob. So I think we just have to monitor that. This is, again, a day three guy we're talking about. You know, I get they reworked Drake's contract, so they're not as invested in him as the Gruden regime had been. And naturally they're not as invested in him just because it's a new coaching regime. But I think to forget that he's there, then Brandon Bolden is there as well, who McDaniels is very familiar with. So that's the one thing that has me concerned about the like game three, we were talking about. I feel that the Patriots were more committed to using Ramondre than I expect the Raiders to be to using Zamir White, but I could be wrong. He's certainly worth a flyer in later rounds, um, but I'm not betting on anything drastic from him. 
I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Uh, Andrew, we, uh, I hope that that answered the question. I think we gave pretty good explanations. Um, that brings us into uh, the homie Calvin on the Second and Goal podcast. Yo, straight up. Very, very good podcast. Calvin is that dude. Definitely follow him on Twitter at Calvin underscore SGF. He wants to know why is Christian Watson ranked so low? Uh, well, you yeah, because you brought this to the table last week, and you had a really good explanation. So I think that this will also tie in great to our last question from Craig Ruth, which is, in deep leagues, which Green Bay wide receiver do you like best for this season, taking into account their current ADP? That's at Roto Heat Craig. Uh, so yeah, so my concerns with Christian Watson, which I think are everyone's concerns with Christian Watson, he's a really raw prospect who doesn't have great hands and he's a rookie and Aaron Rodgers has to trust him and it's just not a great combination and he's dealing with an injury that we don't know about currently so he's missing time to build that trust with Rodgers or as he now goes by the artist formerly known as Nick Cage um <laughs> yeah but seriously like that I think is why Christian Watson is ranked so low there are a ton of questions about this offense much like with Kansas City, we don't really know how the pecking order is going to shake out. Um, and again, it's just like, it's the combination of, he's a real, like the athletic measurables are good. He's a really raw prospect though. Like I cannot stress that enough. He's like, drops don't matter, but they do if all you do is drop it. And he's kind of notorious for dropping the ball. And Aaron Rodgers is probably going to have a problem with that as we've seen him have with other wide receivers who drop the ball. Like again, he would get plenty visibly angry with MVS when MVS would drop the ball, maybe stop looking his way when that would happen. So I think that's why, you know, it's not like there's a green Bay wide receiver that's ranked super far ahead of him. Like I have Alan Lazard at 41. I have Christian Watson at 52 ADP right now has Alan Lazard at 46 and Christian Watson at 55. You know, I don't think anyone's saying that it, like somehow there's a just clear wide receiver one hanging out in this wide receiver room. I just think it comes down to he is a rookie with a quarterback that likes to really trust his wide receivers and he profiles as a potentially untrustworthy one. I think that's really what it comes down to. I mean, honestly, I couldn't have said it any better myself like that. That's that's why. That's why. And, you know, I think of Christian Watson in the same way that we think of. And in, it, Watson's not the only one. There are prospects like this that come into the NFL. But I think of Christian Watson like I think of like a minor league baseball prospect where you look at the player, you can project forward what the tools are, but you understand, well, there are still aspects of the game that they need to improve and work upon. Well, let's be clear. There's an example for him from his own college, and that's Trey Lance. I mean, this is the Trey Lance of wide receivers. He's yeah. An, again, an incredibly raw prospect with a ton of athletic potential, and it comes down to trust. And we saw last year that Shanahan ultimately didn't trust Lance. He trusted Jimmy Garoppolo, and that trust resulted in an NFC championship appearance. Now Garoppolo let him down a bit in that game. Sure. But he's also the reason they got to that game. And so ultimately Aaron Rodgers may decide not to trust that incredibly raw prospect based on what he sees. It might go with a vet like Lazard. 
Yeah, exactly. Like, it's the unfortunate part about football. It's just like there's not like you know the the, the flaw in my comparison here is just like, but there is minor league baseball to some degree. College football kind of performs that function but not when you're at north dakota state and you not know when you don't get enough games under your belt at north dakota state like yeah if you had a full four seasons like okay like we can look at that it's not like fcs guys haven't done well in the past cooper cup <laughs> but he is like what like a season or two combined yeah just about yeah. you know so like that's that's really what it comes down to like watson ranked being this low for redraft makes sense the dynasty optimism makes even more sense but like he's just we have to see yeah. it play out you don't have to agree with this analysis you can think higher of him if you choose for sure but this is exactly why he's ranked where he is yeah and i tend to be with the consensus on this particular one which is why i have him ranked similarly to where his adp is so that's the explanation for Christian Watson. And then as far as which Green Bay receiver do I like at cost? I mean, the answer that I gave last week was Aaron Jones. <laughs> but if I have to pick somebody who actually plays wide receiver, Alan Lazard's the only one that makes sense. And I don't really think I have to expand on why. Yeah, and I'm kind of in the same boat. We've kind of touched on it. Like, none of these guys are expensive. Like, Kansas City is comparatively expensive. Yes. Juju Smith-Schuster is costing you wide receiver 34. Alan Lazard is wide receiver 46. That's an entire round of just wide receivers going. Mm -hmm. Like it is a huge difference. Like overall 83 versus overall 115. There's a massive difference. So you don't necessarily have to bet on the MVS in this instance. You can just bet on Lazard because it's costing you about the same price. Uh, I think the one other guy to potentially keep an eye on is Randall Cobb, given that he is dirt cheap i mean dirt cheap like so wide receiver so 116 you don't have to even draft the guy you don't yeah but he has shown a desire to be in green bay he has succeeded in green bay he ranks eighth in the nfl in yards per target over the past three years per at kyle tweets here uh interesting little tidbit the rogers trusts him so you know like again I don't know that I like want to bet on him being a top 36 wide receiver, but I don't have to because he's going at checks notes again, wide receiver 116. So it doesn't matter if I'm right or wrong. It's a free bet. And not for nothing, wide receiver 93 in PPR ECR. So <laughs> even ECR thinks higher than that. So, you know, like that's it's 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 something to consider there for sure do it frankly for the record i might too you can continue on i'm going to look oh yeah no here we go i have him as wide receiver 84 yeah man like and also like i i, w I will say though if it, if this question had been asked to us a day earlier and we hadn't gotten the news that sammy watkins was already on the pup <laughs> like yeah which, again, as we said at the beginning, you can come off at any time. But for a guy like him, you don't want to see that. <laughs> I wouldn't have gone with Sammy Watkins, per se. Um, Neither would I, but it, it at least would have been slightly more of a consideration. Yeah, but, I think, again, yeah. something like that makes it even more of a case for someone like Randall Cobb, honestly. Yeah, it's... I, it's it, it, draft Aaron Jones. <laughs> yes, yeah, draft Aaron Jones. Draft Aaron Jones. <laughs> Uh, the, the, the solution to honestly, honestly, like uh, most of these problems, uh, all of these questions, I think 
the blanket answer if we were to assign one just draft aaron jones is that is that <laughs> it's a solid answer I, I can't argue with it too much there you go see we're full of solid answers you can't argue with too much because that is what the lateral show a sideways look at fantasy football delivers to you on a somewhat weekly basis that was going to be our slogan by the way but we tried to print it on a t-shirt you cannot imagine the quote we got back hundreds of dollars for sure so much ink it's astronomical we couldn't do it but that's why we shortened it to the lateral show a sideways look at fantasy football another episode in the books you can follow the show on twitter at the lateral ff we will probably do live streams and stuff at some point in the future just because video content is something we just have not done in months and then also uh i've been thinking about figuring out how to ramp up the uh you know multiple podcasts a week now that we're back into the swing of things so just follow us there for that type of information but if you want to follow us individually we will tell you how and i will start with myself because i am herms on twitter at herms nfl you can follow me there i'm all of my musings about the pittsburgh steelers the different things that i think about the fact that i don't know there's just like weird things happening in the world that i just like to tweet about sometimes but also i tweet out articles that i write over at fantasypros.com and i just i, I don't know man just it, that's, that's what i do I, that was a weird way to describe myself i've done better in the past i'm gonna hand it over to you i'm gonna i'm gonna stop talking for now what about you where can they find you well it's your boy mclateral aka mclateral ff on the twitter you can find me on twitter at mclateral ff for latest fantasy football takes from myself for everything else you can go to at mac mcmillan atl uh, if you don't remember that, you can always go to the pin tweet that is on the McLateral Twitter account. Uh, I think you can also check the bio and make it pretty easy to find the two accounts. If you go to Mac McMillan ATL, you can find my latest from Tom's Guide. You can find my latest ramblings about F1 or soccer, uh, pretty much anything that isn't football. And then for everything that is football, go over to McLateral FF. There you go. See, there it is. And also, so just just to confirm, uh, so at mac mcmillan atl a c m c m i l l a n a t l dot com not dot com because you're a what but you're a website and i'm a business oh there it is that's it. finally a clean end we did it finally Beep, boop. follow the lateral on twitter at the lateral ff Beep, boop.